Hi, it's Mike Morris. Welcome to another episode of Open Mike. We have an interesting addition today for you. You've probably seen on the news the Hill family versus the Wustenberg family. The Hill family, a mom and three kids, were, were leaving a Chipotle restaurant when there was a bumping that happened in the lobby of the Chipotle. It poured over into the parking lot where the Wustenbergs claimed that the Hill family blocked them into the car you know, we're, we're, we're jumping on the car, we're smashing the car window with their hand, and the Wustenbergs jumped out with guns. And the police were called, the Wustenbergs are now charged with a felony, and we interviewed the attorneys for both families, and we're gonna play both of those interviews for you right now, back to back. And I'd love to hear from you after the episodes as to who do you think is telling the truth? Do you think the Wustenberg should have been uh, charged with a felony? Do you think they should have pulled out guns on the Hill family? Do you think the Hills had any, in, uh, had any fault in this? Do you think they egged them on too much? I'd love to hear from you. Please email me, comment, like, subscribe, do all the things that you like to do, and we'll see you soon. Enjoy this very interesting episode. Joining us this morning is Mike Morse and Corey's Top Dirty. Mike Morse. Mike Morse is in here to tell us about the backpack giveaway. Yeah, adapt and adapt and change things up a little bit every year. Hi, I'm Mike Morse. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Home Edition. Today, we have attorney Chris Quinn on, who represents the Hill family. This has been all over the news, all over the internet. Um, his clients were accosted via gunpoint by the Wustenberg family outside of a Chipotle. Tequila Hill, 34 years old, and her young children, one was 15 and the other ones were younger, um, were, you know, had weapons pulled on them for an incident that happened um, at a Chipotle. And so I wanted to learn more about this. And attorney Chris Quinn was nice enough to agree to come on and, and talk about what happened to his clients. So let's bring on attorney Quinn. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Mike? I'm well. Thank you for coming on. Yes. Thanks for inviting me. So, you know, this is this was another I mean, it feels like every single day we are seeing another event. I saw one this morning as I was scrolling through the media uh, with people accosting people whether it be guns or verbally all i gotta say is thank god for the cell phone video because people would deny everything exactly so, um i know you're doing national news you're, you're you're all over the place but why don't you just for the people who have been living in a hole tell us what happened to your clients okay um this was a uh situation in which uh miss hill who's a mother of three um was out in uh, Auburn Hills and she was taking her uh, daughters. There was three daughters, ages three, uh, I mean, five, 13 and 15. And they were going to the Chipotle out there in Auburn Hills. Um, and as the 15 year old was leaving the restaurant, um, she was bumped into uh, by Miss Wustenberg. Uh, words were exchanged. Um, and Miss Hill, the mother, saw that, that her daughter was in this uh, verbal dispute with an adult and decided to see what was going on. Obviously, um, emotions had already run high prior to Miss Hill getting there. 
And as a mother, her instinct was to initially uh, do what any mother would do, which is protect their child. Uh, Miss Hill um, did not like the way that Miss Wustenberg was talking with her child. Words were exchanged. I don't know if your viewers have seen the video. There were statements regarding um, race and, and, and things of that nature. And um, what did she specifically say? Give me an example. Of something. I heard I heard a statement that uh, there was an accusation thrown at Miss uh, Wustenberg that she was a racist. And so your client called Miss Wustenberg a racist. I have heard that. I, yeah. And then and, he, and then Miss Wustenberg got all up in arms about that. Exactly. And um, she indicated that that was not the case. There was conversations additionally about her. Uh, Miss Wustenberg apologizing for bumping into my client. Uh, I don't believe that Miss actually bumping into her 15 year old daughter, my client's 15 year old daughter. Well, let me stop you for one second. Do you believe, does your client allege that the car actually physically touched uh, her daughter? Well, the car, the car that that was the, the second encounter. The first encounter was actually between uh, the 15 year old child and Miss Wusenberg, where my client then walks up and addresses Miss Wusenberg and her bumping into her daughter. That eventually Miss Wusenberg, her husband comes out, Miss Wusenberg's husband comes out, escorts her into the vehicle and they proceed to leave. My clients and her daughter proceed to leave. Uh, what escalated the situation even further was the fact that the Wusenberg's van on the, on the second encounter almost hits uh, Miss Hill. Miss Hill, obviously upset and uh, scared that she's going to be injured, hits the back of the window with her hand. So the car was backing up towards her, and she's she's like, she stop. said, "Hey, I'm yeah. back here." She hit the she hit the glass. Right, and she so the car. right, and so uh, the car stops, and the Wusenbergs jump out like Bonnie and Clyde with guns, uh, um, um, brandishing firearms at a 15 year old and my client in a public uh parking lot that's crazy they both had guns both had guns that's where they both were charged with felonious assault i saw that um how scary and, and we saw the video of the woman you know back up back up the whole thing it, i mean in this day and age I, you can't do that exactly so, so, i think i think what a point that people are missing here, Mike, where um, we really have to focus on is the initial contact. We have an encounter between a 15-year-old teenager and an adult. At that point, I believe that the responsibility is on the adult to de-escalate the situation. Uh, we never get here if the adult says either sorry or I, I don't know what you're talking about or just keeps moving. Hey, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Just kind of blows the situation off, gets in the car and leaves. The adult did not do that in this situation. The adult engages in a verbal uh, dispute with a teenager, which is, it doesn't make sense from the start. Well, it shows what kind of person Miss Wusterberg is, but I, I'm confused. Did the 15 year old allegedly say something like, hey, you bumped into me or don't bump into me? Right, or, and say, excuse me, wanted some acknowledgement. You know, excuse me or something like right. that? some acknowledgement that she had been bumped into by Miss Wustenberg and Miss Wustenberg wasn't either willing or didn't believe that she should do that. But regardless, there could have been a way to, to, to 
calm that situation down. It wasn't necessary. No that big stuff deal. happens all the time in normal, uh, in normal life. Somebody bumps into somebody and you're, Hey, you know, you bump me or, or whatever it is. I mean, it doesn't end up in weapons being drawn. Right. And then I think another point that people are missing is, is that at the first encounter, the Wustenbergs had an opportunity to assess uh, my clients, I guess, perceived danger or threat. Obviously, there was an escalation of emotions. At no time in that first encounter did my, my client ever threaten to use a weapon, threaten any type of physical harm, and obviously could see, the Wustenbergs could see that they were not armed. But That's a good, what's, good point. But what's interesting is the Wustenbergs knew they were armed. So when that second encounter comes around, here you have a situation that individuals not only in the protected by their vehicle, but they have the ultimate protection, which is which is a firearm. Both individuals are armed and the individuals that they're in dispute with have a dispute with are not armed and they know it. So you're, you're probably right that people are missing that, Chris. I mean, the fact that the Wusenbergs were able to assess. Here's a mom with three young kids. Right. They're, you know, even if they're, you know, even if they shouldn't have said, excuse me, even if they were being rude, even if they were doing whatever, that never gives somebody a right to uh, brandish a gun. But then it gets taken outside and she hits the car, which the Wusenbergs are now saying what? That they thought what? Well, I think that where the Wustenbergs are, their first argument, and this is just through what I'm seeing on TV, right. is that somehow my client um, was preventing them from getting in their car, obstructing their ability to get to their vehicle, uh, some form of harassment. Um, I'm not sure how that occurred because they actually did get in their car. So um, if you've got uh, a, a man and his wife adult male and his wife and a teenage daughter and another woman. I don't think there's a big issue in terms of getting in your vehicle. And there wasn't, they got in their vehicle, but they're saying that somehow my clients harassed or obstructed their ability to get to their car. Which I couldn't see that from the video. Cause you're right. The first time I saw it, they were in the car, they hopped out of the car with the weapons, um, knowing full well that these are children knowing full well. So, um, was the racist comment made in the hallway or in the vestibule it the first of encounter. It was outside in the public. It was the first encounter. Got it. Who was, Who was videotaping? I believe one of the daughters, um, Miss Hill's daughters. Okay. And have we learned if these guns were properly licensed and they had the right CCWs and everything? I imagine um, just based on the charges. Um, normally, uh, they were charged both Wustenberg with a felonious assault. If they were not licensed holder, there would have been a uh, CCW uh, carrying a concealed weapon charge included with that, which I did not see. So because you do a lot of criminal defense and a lot of our watchers and viewers don't understand what felonious assault is, will you please explain it? Well, in, in, in layman's terms, it's just putting a person in fear of some type of injury or, 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 or threat, you can verbally threaten somebody or putting them fear that they'll be injured in some form or fashion. And, and so that's a, uh, an assault. It's just a, th right. a threat with a gun. I mean, so this is for everybody watching. 
even if you pull it out just to scare somebody, you could be charged with a four-year felony and have your life turned upside down like these people's lives are now rightfully turned upside down. And what's interesting is is that um, there was no felony fel felony firearm charge. Normally, when a person is carrying a firearm and is uh, committing a, a felony using a firearm, there's an additional charge of a felony firearm. But so you think I, that they you think that they undercharged this maybe? Well, I, the evidence will speak for itself. Obviously, I haven't had a chance to review the discovery. I don't want to second guess the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office. I just handle a lot of criminal cases, and I know it's almost uh, anytime a gun is involved and there's an assault or um, some other felony, unrelated felony with the gun, there's usually this uh, felony firearm charges added, but it wasn't in this situation. When's the first court date for them? I believe it's the 14th of July. It's called a probable cause conference, and that's where um, they'll be, the, the uh, prosecutor will basically uh, give the discovery materials to the uh, defense attorney, and they'll be discussing a scheduling a date for what's called a preliminary exam, which is a hearing where the where Miss Hill and her other witnesses will have to testify about whether a crime was committed and why the Wustenbergs were involved. And your client and you will probably be there watching that, I assume, and be witnesses. Absolutely. But, you know, you know, one, one thing I think is also important, Mike, because I know in today's climate uh, with what we've seen on TV with um, guns being pointed at unarmed blacks, um, you know, one thing is concerning and, 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 and I think this is important. And that's that's what I want people to understand is what was going on. Um, subconsciously or consciously with the Wustenbergs where they felt justified or entitled to pull a firearm on an unarmed black woman and her child. I mean, it's almost mind boggling, but it's, where's the threat? Where's, what is going on implicitly where, where, where that, where you believe that the situation requires deadly force, you know? And, and that's where I think that conversation needs to talk because I think we, we see this a lot and I think there's something implicitly, either consciously or subconsciously, where we see um, blacks, African-Americans and having firearms pointed at them. And I don't know if it's because of, um, you know, what we see images on TV, uh, whether we, you know, in our own households discussions. But this is something that I think is important to start talking about and having a conversation about. So we don't find ourselves in a situation where a mother and child could end up dead because of of, of, of some subconscious bias. I, I was scared to death watching that video. Right. I thought, oh my God, if is she going to pull the trigger on these people who are just standing there? Clearly right. not a threat. Right. It, it's really scared me. And I agree with you. Could you imagine if your client pulled out a gun right. on this white couple? How would that be viewed? But there's there's all these. And I'm, I'm sure, Mike, in your field, you know, you deal with these biases that we, we really don't kind of deal with. They're kind of deeply rooted in our in our mental state. And we really don't talk about it. But at some point, I think it's important that, you know, and I think the country is doing a good job of doing that. But we really need to kind of talk about these things, because obviously there was the Wustenbergs felt extremely threatened in a situation that really didn't call for that. And, and, and 
I agree. And we do need to keep talking about it because I don't, you know, their attorney is saying comments and I'm reading some notes here. You know, a guy like Eric, his client, Wusterberg, has been taken down because someone uttered, you're a racist. How fair is that? Where's the dude, you know, process of that? I don't even understand what he's saying. Exactly. Do you understand what he's saying? No, but, you know, there is, I think this kind and, I, and we're getting I, I i've seen a lot of progress just in the last two months some things that i wouldn't imagine um in terms of us discussing uh racial inequities uh our beliefs and, and perceptions about each other and why why do we think this way and why do we have these conversations and why just like you said mike what would happen if miss hill would have pointed a firearm at there would have been a swat team it would have been a squad team and she would be dead Right. And, and that's very true. Somebody, in my could opinion, see, biased, you know, unbiased, whatever, biased somebody could have seen that and, and, and took the law in their own hands, you know, and just said, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do this before the cops get here. They won't, you know, so we, we, we have these things and we need to talk about it. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that the uh, Wustenbergs are, are terrible people or bad people. And, and I'm sure Mr. Wustenberg served this country well. But there was something that made him and his wife feel justified or entitled to pull this firearm at this mother, this black mother and her daughter. And that's that's concerning because they're, they're not the only ones that may have this fear or, or, or these thoughts that they feel that they need to use that type of force when they're encountering uh, black people. Have you. Um, and it's OK if you don't answer me at this time, because I know the criminal stuff is coming up, but. Um, have your clients considered filing a civil lawsuit against the Wustenbergs? Well, I'm sure, Mike, you're more of an expert in that than me, but obviously um, they're getting therapy. I mean, that, and, that, and that's necessary. Um, you know, my, my, my world is the criminal law world where there's an issue of what, who's right and who's wrong. I think in the civil world, it's not so much about who's right or who's wrong, but how, what are the damages? I mean, obviously you could be right and no damages and what's the point so i know that they're um they're getting therapy they're talking to a therapist i know miss um hill has missed some time off of work uh all of those things they're just trying to piece their life back to normal and i guess as this process works itself out we'll see where it ends up it's a good answer and i think you're right and there has to be damages in every civil lawsuit but i'm telling you i'm damaged from watching that video i right. can't imagine She's a million times more damaged than I was, and it was just so upsetting. That's one reason I wanted to have you on. Um, and, you know, so if you if you had one question for their attorney or for the Wustenbergs, what 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 do you what's the question that you have? My question is, is what made them feel justified or entitled to pull that firearm on? an unarmed mother and child what was it about them that made them such a threat okay it's a good question I, you know we, we might be interviewing their lawyer in the in the coming days and i will make sure i ask that question um any parting thoughts on this case or anything uh you know i'm sure you and i'll talk again i hope about about is it is this progresses to the system but any parting thoughts uh, just that I'm, I'm actually happy that this is receiving attention. I think bringing this to the forefront. Um, fortunately, Miss Hill and her daughter weren't hurt. 
hopefully hearing and looking at this situation, just like the situation in Minnesota or other situations, people start to uh, analyze their thoughts and, and, and how they're going to address issues. And, and hopefully we can have a, a further conversations about this so we can avoid anybody getting hurt. Well, thank you for coming on Open Mic, Chris. Um, you're doing a good job for your clients. I really appreciate you answering some questions, and it was nice to meet you. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Open Mic. Now we're going into part two with the Wootzenberg family attorney, Terry Johnson. Today, I'm sure you've read about this on social media, in the news. There was an altercation last week in Orion Township. Two families were leaving a Chipotle restaurant. There was a uh, there was uh, some bumping in, in the vestibule. It spilled out into the parking lot. Uh, two uh, white people, the, the Wustenbergs, pulled out guns on the Hill family, and they've recently been charged with uh, felonies. And I've watched the video. There's lots of questions on both sides. And who better to answer them than the Wustenbergs' attorney, Terry Johnson, who is a skilled attorney here in the Metro Detroit area. He's very familiar with firearm cases and other types of cases. So let's bring on Terry Johnson. Hello, Mike, how are you? Thanks for having me. My pleasure, thanks for being here. I know you're busy doing national stuff and talking to the media. What a, what a case you, you got involved in, but I think you know your background is interesting because you know I don't know many attorneys who are firearm experts. So just spend a minute or two telling me about your, your day job your, or your day-to-day law practice, what, what you're doing uh, before you're sure. hired in this case. Sure. Well, you know, I'm a criminal defense attorney by trade, and I've got a subspecialty in firearms. So uh, not only do I have a specialty in firearms law, um, I also have a, uh, I, I'm an instructor. Um, and I work for a company out of Dallas, Firearms Legal Protection. What we do is, you know, if you get in trouble by using a weapon to protect yourself or protect others, uh, my company comes along and we take care of all of your legal fees, bail bond, and a few other things. And uh, can I give the website out for that? Go for it. Sure. And that's uh, firearmslegal.com. Again, firearmslegal.com. I'm the vice president of legal operations there. Um, I can tell you that uh, this is not a case where the uh, Wustenbergs are, um, they were not members, so I'm doing this as a private attorney. Got it. So if they were members um, and something exactly like this happens or they actually shoot somebody, your company will step in and provide unlimited legal services with excellent attorneys, civil and criminal. Correct. So uh, on the criminal side, it's kind of what I'm doing on the civil side. If they were being sued, they'd probably, you know, go to Mike Morris uh, law firm or something along those lines. And we would pick up your fees to ensure that they are, uh, you know, they have the best attorneys possible. Got it. So I've been, you know, this is, you know, I'm not a firearms expert. And so I have some questions about that. Sure. Um, You know, most people have seen this video. Um, you know, the, the, the bumping in the vestibule, the, the spilling out of the street, um, from my perception, you know, your clients were handling it pretty okay at the beginning and then mm-hmm. no, no guns. They hopped in their car and then they start backing up, backing up, backing up, 
keep backing up. Right. It kind of appears that they were getting real close to Miss Hill, the mother. She smacks the back window. You're about to hit me. Stop. And all hell breaks loose. And they hop out of their car. And you see what you see on the video. I mean, you can't. You see what you see on the video with, with the woman, um, your client, you know, back mm -hmm. up, back up, back up. So is there more to it than what we see on that video? Well, there's a tremendous amount uh, that, you know, the three-minute video doesn't cover. And again, um, I think, I'm not sure which video you saw. You know, there's one video that's about 14 to 15 seconds where it just shows my uh, one of my clients. And again, my co-counsel is Dean Greenblatt. We're both working together on this. Okay. What you And we both represent both of the Wustenbergs. So let me back up for a moment. First of all, you said, you know, there was some bumping in the vestibule. Not true. Um, basically, you know, my client clients went there at close to six o'clock to pick up food for their four children. Okay. They've got four kids and, and uh, they pull into the handicap spot. And the reason they're there is because, you know, the husband, Eric is a disabled vet, hundred percent disabled. Um, he parks, Jillian gets out, she goes in, uh, there's a high top table there. She sees the food. She picks it up and on the way out, apparently uh, one of the Hill girls were walking into uh, Chipotle. What basically happened was it appears or, you know, the, the what my client is telling me is that, you know, the bag must have brushed against her. One of the doors was locked, you know, two big uh, doors there. And uh, she walks out, uh, the bag may have bumped her. And a few seconds later, this 15-year-old uh, is got her cell phone on. She's coming towards my client, and she's calling for her mother. And the next thing my client knows is she's trapped. And I, let me explain to you what I mean by trapped. In the front of my client is the, v, is the van. She can't get in the van because to the left of her is the mother, who's yelling and screaming at her. To the right of her is the daughter who was blocking entrance into the um, into the passenger door. And directly behind her is the outdoor seating, which there's a rail there. So my client is trapped at that point. And she's no. being berated. Now, none of this is on tape? It is on tape. Oh, this part's on tape. Okay. It is actually, there's a three minute and nine second video that's out there. Yeah. And if you look closely, my client has nowhere to go. Every time my client attempts attempts to speak up she's shouted down she's yelled at you know you violated a 15 year old and and the funny thing is mom didn't see any of this and the reason i know mom didn't see any of this is because the young girl comes out and she says mom she did this she did this where are you where are you so my client is trapped four times within that 30 second 45 second exchange my client is asking for the police. Call the police. I'm terrified. I'm scared. Okay. Her husband, again, 100% disabled vet, gets out of the vehicle and walks around. Okay. Took him a bit to get out of the vehicle because he truly didn't know what was going on until he heard, call the police. Until he heard, I'm terrified. He gets out, he walks around, and he helps his wife get into the van. That is when the first one of the that's when another problem comes about, because 
one of the Hill women, I'm not sure exactly which one, but one of them starts saying, you're ignorant and you're racist. And they walk up to my client and they say, yeah, I will kick your white. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say the A word here. Say whatever you want. Thanks. But, you know, I, I will kick your white ass too. Now, I'm just, my client's like, what's going on? What did I, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Right? So a few words are exchanged. Eric goes back to the driver's side to get out of there. My client, again, Jillian, my other client, rolls the window down and basically says, hey, not all white people are racist. I'm sorry if you're going through this. Okay, but that unfortunately was not good enough for them. Okay, so my client has tried to de-escalate this at that point three different times. They're in the vehicle. They start to go in reverse. Now, if you look at the videos, once my client's backing up, no one is there. But again, it may have been the mother. I, I don't know, but I'll just say one of the Hill girls, include, which is either the sisters or the mother, goes behind the vehicle. Now, you'll notice the vehicle comes to an abrupt stop. The reason it comes to an abrupt stop is they have this mechanism on the uh, Chrysler van. I guess most newer vehicles have it. You go back so far, you get too close, it slams on the brakes immediately. Well, the brakes are slammed on, by, again, automatically. And all you hear are people, not a person, but people beating on the window. Okay. My client, Eric, gets out of the vehicle, walks around to make sure that no one's hurt. There's no damage. No one's hurt. Again, you don't know what's going on. Because as you well know, you just can't leave the scene of an accident, especially if someone's hurt, because that is a criminal charge and you've committed a felony. So he gets out. Jillian, concerned for her husband, because again, he's a 100% disabled vet. Jillian gets out as well. Here's what where the problem comes. Jillian gets out of the van and within a second and a half, maybe two at most, here comes mom rushing her from one side. Here comes the other Hill sister coming from the other side, rushing her. And it's more than just those two, okay? Because remember, you're only seeing the visual from someone holding the camera. You don't know exactly what Jillian was seeing at that point. Uh, there have been reports from various witnesses. There were between eight and 10 people out there. And my client at that point doesn't know who's friend or who's false. You just see eight or so people rushing you. Someone closed the door behind her so she couldn't get back in the van. And at that point is when she pulls her firearm. Because why? She's in imminent fear of death or great bodily harm. The other thing you need to understand at that particular point, she's trying to get people to get away, to stand back. Now, think about it. You just tried to stop me a few minutes ago. You're cursing me. You're telling me you're going to kick my white ass, right? You're calling me ignorant. You're calling me a racist. I'm trying to leave. You stop me from leaving. You stop me from leaving. So now I get out and you're rushing me. She had no choice whatsoever but to pull her firearm for the protection of herself and her husband. And if you look at the video, she directed the husband to go back and call the police, which he did. So once she cleared the back of the van, and, and here's the other thing people forget, even though she had the firearm, she was retreating. It, 
and the one of the Hill girls who was recording kept coming at her. If you look, you see my client retreat, and you see the the um, whoever's recording get closer and closer. Finally, she's able to get in the van, and you hear one of the young girls scream, Mom, stop walking towards them. Stop walking. Stop walking. My clients are on the phone with 911 as that's happening. They go approximately 500 feet because 911 instructed them, just get away from that area. Go, just don't go too far. Just get, you know, get yourself to safety. That's what happened. Okay. There's a lot there to unpack. And the police did show up at the scene? Yes, the police were nearby at a Taco Bell, which is probably maybe 500 to 1,000 feet away. So that's why oh. the police were able to respond so quickly. Got it. Okay, so I have some notes here. I, you know, Terry, you're an expert in firearms. You've said some of the defenses right there. People carrying firearms, people in the, in, in, who have guns, legally on them. They both had legally registered guns with a C proper CCW, I assume. That hasn't come out that it was expired or anything like that. So let's assume it's Correct. all legal. It was, yes. According to one of your videos that I watched before our interview, um, your video was when can you pull out a when can you pull out a gun on somebody, basically. And it was if you feel like somebody's trying to kill you, somebody's mm -hmm. trying to rape you, or you have uh, a, you have uh, imminent threat of serious bodily harm right here and right now. And I assume that's the prong that you're going to be relying your defense on, that third prong. Well, yeah, I mean, it was either death or great bodily harm. Okay, and well, let, okay. let yes. me just let me just dive in as, a, as somebody who, again, is not an avid gun owner shooter. Um, We'll this get you a, there, though. I, I promise we'll get you there. I'm probably <laughs> a good shot. Um, mom, with two really young daughters and a 15-year-old, I mean, I don't know how, I mean, how much, I mean, she obviously didn't have a gun. She didn't have a knife. She's a woman okay. with kids. And, yeah, she was loud, and I get the mouthiness and all that. But I don't. No, I don't see the right here, right now, serious bodily harm. I think, I mean, sure. I, so tell me why, tell me why that is. Why was she justified in pulling out that gun? Well, it, it is imminent. It is right here, right now. I want you to think about it, Mike. Someone has tried to stop you from leaving once. You've tried to de-escalate. You finally get in the vehicle and you're trying to leave again. They now stop you again. Once they stop you, you have people that are within two feet or less of you immediately. I mean, I don't think they're coming, uh, you know, to my client and say, hey, I want to sit down and sing Kumbaya with you. I mean, what would you think? These are the same people that a few minutes ago, not even minutes, a few moments earlier, just said they're going to kick your white ass. They're going to dog you out. These are the, and then they start banging on the uh on the van terry i hear oh. you i'm just i'm concerned my, my my brain is flooding with examples every single person listening watching this has been confronted by somebody right you know sure it, it, i can think of a million examples whatever the example is you know even if somebody was going to threaten you with a fight 
I mean, if, if somebody comes up to you, I'm going to beat your, you know, I don't like you looking at my girlfriend. I'm going to beat your ass. Are you allowed to pull a gun on that person? Well, let, let's, you know, you got to look at the facts and circumstances of it. Is it a person or is it several people? As I stated before, you know, my client saw a minimum of five and there are some reports there were up to 10 people there. I don't know who's coming at me. Okay. Secondly, what are the size of these people, right? Um, for example, you know, if somebody six foot two, is somebody four foot five, I don't know. That plays into it. Let me give you something else. What are my physical disabilities? So, for example, her husband is 100% disabled. It takes a lot to be a 100% disabled vet. That's what he is. So, even walking around is a little bit difficult for him at times. Okay. So I thought he had you, two jobs. I thought you keep saying that he's disabled. I thought he had two jobs. What do you mean two? He worked for Oakland University until they fired him uh, a week ago because of this. I thought he had a political job for somebody. He, Yeah, he was fired from that too. And again, when we say disabled, are we talking physically or mentally disabled? Two different things. He's physically disabled. That's why he was part of the handicap spot. Got it. So he could do the jobs. He just can't get around real well. Correct. What is his physical disability, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I prefer not to get into that at this point. Fine. Um, so you're saying based upon, you know, we the, the video doesn't show all the circumstances, doesn't show the five to ten people. Uh, she will claim it sounds like that she had an imminent fear of serious bodily harm. Or death. Or death. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds like will be the rub. What what do you, what is what do you make? I mean, you're a criminal defense attorney. You've been doing this a long time. Uh, Jessica Cooper uh, filed charges. Uh, tell me what the charges were. Uh, felonious assault on each of uh, on Eric and on Jillian. And no felony firearm charges. Why is that? Uh, that's a question for the prosecutor. I mean, realistically, um, you know, that's a question. My question is not why didn't they file, you know, felony firearm. My why they filed the other one? It's assault, right? That I get, I get. But I've never seen a case with a uh, a felony assault, and there's a weapon being used that they didn't charge felony firearm. So I know that I've you know it that it's hard for you to say, yeah, why didn't they? They should have. Not that they should. And I know that's. I'm not saying it right <laughs> because you don't I want them. To, yeah. You didn't want them to charge him with anything, and I get your—that's obviously your position. But it, if somebody's brandishing a weapon, that second charge. So I'm wondering if they were trying to hedge hedge it a little bit to make it palatable to for a eventual plea. You're the expert of this. What what do you really make of that? Well, you know, I think it's a, uh, I think it's an overreach by the prosecutor's office, to be honest with you. You know, if you look at the facts and circumstances, to me, the bigger question is why haven't the Hills been charged with ethnic intimidation? Okay. If you read the statute, the statute's very clear. Why weren't the Hills charged? Again, it, the thing that kind of gets me, unfortunately, is you have a lot of people who, you know, hear, they, they repeat the same narrative, which is so untrue, you know, which is, Oh my God, you know, another unarmed black person had a gun pulled on him by a white person. That makes it sound like the, uh, in this case, the Hills were doing absolutely nothing, just sitting around, you know, having tea and crumpets. And, you know, here come these white people and they pull a gun on them. Woe is me, but that's not the case. In this case, 
Clearly, the Hills were the aggressors. Clearly, the Hills did not want them to leave. And when you don't want someone to leave and it's more than one of you, what are you supposed to do? So um, you, you, I didn't understand this quote. I just want to make sure that they got it right. And I want to ask you about it. You, you made a quote to one of the papers or news stations. A guy like Eric has been taken down because someone uttered three words. You're a racist. How far, how fair is that? Where is the due process in that? Yes. I, I don't understand what that means. So let me tell you what's going on with, with uh, Eric and Jillian. Okay. Someone, especially in today's climate, utters three words. You're a racist. No one has to prove that they're a racist. No one has to prove that they did anything wrong. All it is is, is if an African-American hollers those words at someone who's white, all of a sudden things change. Let me give you a couple of examples. Eric has been terminated from his job. You see nowhere on any video that I can find, at least at this point, where Eric has pointed a gun at anyone. But yet, he's terminated because Oakland University, unfortunately, is afraid that, you know, there's going to be some kind of outcry that they're hiring, quote unquote, a racist. Julian today, during an interview, got a text message terminating her job with Hallmark. Why? A week ago, she was an upstanding employee. She had recently been promoted. Everything's going great. And she gets fired via text. These people have, uh, they're in hiding. Why are they in hiding? I mean, no one can come forward right now and say that Eric or Jillian are racist. Bumping into someone the last time I checked is not a racial issue. Okay, if the people chose not to apologize, and I'm not saying they, they did or didn't, what was the purpose of the Hills demanding this right now? Does that make them racist? Where did race come into this when two people have bumped into one another? You know, take whatever story you want to take, whether you want to take uh, Ms. Hills or you want to take my client. Why is this a racist situation? But you type in YouTube right now, white Michigan woman pulls gun, it's all over the place. And, and my contention is, well, real quick, Mike, my contention is if they both would have been African-American, I wouldn't be here. If they both would have been white, I wouldn't be here. The fact that it is a white person pulling a gun on a black person and the black person hollers racism, we now have an issue. Well, we, I have two questions. Number one, if Miss Hill and her kids were white, do you really think that your clients would have pulled out the gun? Absolutely. Okay. And secondly, Terry, do you really think that, that your clients lost their jobs because they were called a racist by a black woman or because they pulled out guns and pointed it at an unarmed black family? Well, I want to address the, the <laughs> Let, let's talk about that. The reason they lost their job quite honestly, had nothing to do with performance, has nothing to do with due process. So let me ask you a question. If the Hills were to come back tomorrow and say, yeah, we made all of this up, would, would they give the, you know, my clients their jobs back? Probably not. And you said an unarmed black family. What does that have to do with anything? 
quite honestly, if I'm in imminent fear that four or five people are about to kick, and again, I'm going to quote what Miss Hill said, going to kick my white ass, what am I supposed to do? Let them start kicking my ass until I see a gun, a knife or something? That makes no sense whatsoever. But for the fact she had a firearm to de-escalate that situation, I believe my clients would have been severely wounded, if not killed. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's that's. Uh, I mean, that's interesting. When when are your when is the uh, first court appearance? We've got the probable cause conference set for July 21st. Uh, that will be via Zoom. Um, if we um, are going to hold a preliminary exam, that's set for June, excuse me, July, uh, set for July 29th. Um, so so your, your client was uh, at, at Walmart. So just today she found out that she was fired. So they took a, a week. How long ago did this happen? About a week ago? Uh, with Jillian? Uh, yes. No, no. It happened. Or Eric? No, no. The, uh, the incident was about a week ago, right? The incident was a week ago yesterday. Correct. And there's, has there been any discussions with the prosecutor's office yet? Or you're just going to take it through the uh, normal channels? We're going to go through the normal channels. Again, you know, I look at this as a clear-cut situation of self-defense. Um, if someone can explain to me, you know, why they wouldn't let uh, the Wustenbergs in their vehicle, why they stopped them from leaving, and why they needed to rush my client, uh, Jillian, as she got out of the van. I mean, if someone can explain to me that that's not intimidation or they mean no harm, um, then maybe there might be a discussion of, of some kind of plea, but no one's looking at the intent of the people that were the aggressors here. You know, why were they doing these things? You can't tell me this is over a bump. And who pulls out a video camera, quite honestly, and starts recording something where there's been a bump, unless you have other motives to handle this. And you think you're, and you, what, what motives could they have had? I'm just, my brain isn't working real well, well right this second. Well, I mean, listen, they've hired Christopher Quinn, good attorney, um, friend of mine. Um, but what's Mr. Quinn's role in this at this point? Aren't uh, the, the Hills represented by the prosecution? Um, you know, again, it's not a knock against Mr. Quinn, but what's the purpose here? Unless you're trying to get something out of someone, right? You're trying to blow this up into a, a major media story. But what people are not focusing on, they're focusing on the conduct of one party, which is the Westenbergs. And the question I have is, what about the conduct of the other party? Because if the other party, being the Hills, did absolutely nothing and my clients pulled out a gun, then I would absolutely agree with you. This would be a completely different situation. But if you look at the conduct that led up to this, they are completely justified in what they did. So if I took, if I come take your gun safety class and this scenario is set up, I'm sitting in my car and this, this exact scenario plays out. You play a video of all this. You're saying, Michael, pull out your gun, 
back them off, cock the cock the gun. Is that the right word? No, it's not. <laughs> you want to load one in the chamber? <laughs> load one I'm gonna, in the chamber. Mike, I'm going to I'm going to give you that. a free class. I, I, I I'm I'm going to get you. <laughs> right. I saw her do that. I got scared. I didn't want it to go off by accident. You know what I mean? Like that scared me. When it's not talking. going to. It's not going to. It's not going to. The only way a gun goes off is, and, and I want you to think about this. <clears throat> Her finger was not on the trigger. Okay. Her finger was never, ever on the trigger. Is there a safety? Doesn't matter. Unless your finger is on the trigger, that gun is not going to discharge around. Was that a Glock? Uh, no, it was not. It was okay. a different type of firearm. And so you, but you're saying you would, you would recommend to your students to do exactly what she did. What I would recommend, and this is what I always say when I do the legal part of any class, a firearm is a tool of last resort. You don't use your firearm first. Could my client have pulled her firearm out when she was trapped between the van, the post, and the two women. Could she have? Yeah, probably. She attempted to de-escalate a few times. Could she have pulled her firearm out once you know she first got out of the van? She could have, but again, there was no imminent threat. She pulled her firearm out as a tool of last resort once the mother and the other daughter started charging at her and were within a couple of feet away. But didn't she pull it out in the car and get out of the car with the gun? No, sir. Already, okay, I must have. Okay, she was out of the car, felt threatened, pulled out her gun. Correct. Got it. Because I saw her in the car and I'm thinking to myself, it, just not as a lawyer watching this, I'm thinking, just drive away. But she couldn't. what happened. Just drive, but, but, please drive away. But, but Mike, that's the problem. She couldn't drive away because they had blocked her in the back and there wasn't enough room for them to go forward because there was another car next to them. So okay. driving away would have been great. Yeah, driving away would have been great, but there's two problems with that. One, they couldn't drive away. And second, they may have just hit somebody or hurt them. What do you think the narrative is gonna be there? You know yourself as an attorney under Michigan law, you just can't hit someone or hit something and drive away. That's a sure. crime. So, you know, Jessica Cooper, interestingly, I just I interviewed her. I interviewed Karen McDonald this week. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting lady, Karen McDonald. I'm I I come out supporting, I like her, I liked her answers a lot. Um, do you think any of this is political? It's she's up for election in like less than a month. Uh, you know, there's a primary, a Democratic primary, which as you know, doesn't happen very much. Correct. Any thought, and I know it's a guess, just any idea like this, these charges, do you think they're to help her get elected, reelected? You know, that would be a, a question I would ask uh, Jessica Cooper, which I'm sure you prob probably already did. Well, this was after, or else I would have. Oh, okay. Um, well, what's, your, what's your, listen, you, you, you practice in her courts, uh, in the criminal courts more than I do. What's your gut? My, my gut tells me that, quite honestly, if we didn't have the climate that we have right now, things may be a little different. 
okay? I don't think any elected official right now is going to stand up to this mob-like mentality that we have, this bullying that's being done, you know, because otherwise you wouldn't see companies like uh, Hallmark fire Jillian. You wouldn't see universities fire Eric because nobody wants to stand up and say, wait, this is absolutely wrong. I mean, Mike, we've gone as far as changing the face of Aunt Jemima syrup, which I like, by the way. I mean, when did this become racist? We had a black president four years ago, and it was never racist at this point. But now it is a the biggest racist thing we've ever done. We've got that. We've got Uncle Ben. I mean, what is this world coming to where two people who bump into each other can't just walk away? And again, my client attempted to do this on three separate occasions and was continually stopped. Well, I wasn't ready to get into um, all the police shootings and all that with you. And I don't think we should go there based on time. But I mean, I think you, you know, doing what we do for a living and, and especially with your expertise, um, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of crazy shootings going on, uh, white people on black people. And this is, I mean, we are inundated for the last, I mean, more than a few months, uh, years with with unarmed black people getting shot by white cops and- um, How many? I don't have that count right now. I, I do. Uh, tell me. I do. We've had nine unarmed, and I want to go back to that word in a moment, unarmed, but we've had nine unarmed black people uh, killed in the year 2019 by police. Okay. 18 unarmed white people killed by police in the year 2019. Okay. Now, the question becomes, what were some of these people doing, even though they were unarmed? I just want to just bring up one that like, listen, everybody can look at George Floyd and know that is disgusting, it's wrong, and those cops should ride under the jail. Everybody will agree with that. Um, but I wanted you to take the incident that happened in Atlanta with um, Mr. Brooks, right? Mr. Brooks was drinking, driving, fell asleep, right? By all accounts, everything was going well until it was time for Mr. Brooks to be arrested. You hear people say, well, they should have let him go. No. You know, Mike, how many times have you seen the police let anybody go in a drunk driving? I don't agree they should have let him walk away. Right. I don't, I don't agree they should have killed him, but go ahead. Well, they didn't. But, but, here, but here's the other part of this. Well, they did end up killing him. Think, think about the five felonies that Mr. Brooks committed. And what happened? Felony number one, resisting and obstructing. He resisted arrest. Felony number two, assault on an officer. Felony number three, he took a weapon from an officer. Felony number four, fleeing and eluding. Then he took that weapon and turned around and shot it at the officer. So it's not, and you say, well, he's unarmed. But here's the problem I have with that. Two weeks earlier, the same prosecutor called this a weapon, a taser, when it was used by the police on African-Americans trying to get them out of a vehicle. But now the same prosecutor says it's not a weapon. So my, my point being is the rules need to be what the rules are. They don't need to change as it relates to the color of someone's skin. 
I, I, I hear you. I, I, so, so the taser thing, you know, I, I heard a, I heard a story that a taser gets two, two, two pumps, two shots, and they were already shot. So the cop knew that there was no danger being shot at him and he, and he still pulled the trigger. What do you say to Let's that? Let's go back for a moment. If you look at that tape, you'll understand that the cop never had the opportunity to check fully for weapons. Okay. In the heat of the moment, how do you know how many shots have gone off of that taser? One of them actually did deploy towards the officer. Okay. So how do you know, A, that, you know, is the officer supposed to stop and say, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, or is the officer supposed to stop and say, well, wait a minute, I don't know if he's got another taser. I don't know if he's got my partner's gun. I don't know what this guy has. And I can't, as a, as a officer, I can't let this person get out in the general public because he may hurt or kill someone else. That, that, you know, when that happened and we all watched the tape and I've talked to my friends and family, I knew that that one was not going to be as straightforward because there was a lot of bad stuff going on. Uh, Correct. But I, I, I think, you know, again, with the other eight uh, shootings, um, I just, I think people are getting tired of seeing it. And I don't know how, you know, they just, it's just, it's bad. And and I get what you're saying that more white people are getting killed by co by cops, but there's a lot more white people than black people, Terry. You got to admit that. And, Absolutely. Um, and so it's, you know, we're not going to solve this right now, but I get where you're, I hear where you're coming from. I don't know if I a hundred percent agree with you, whether it was justified or not. I think that's a tougher case. I think sure. that's not a slam dunk like George Floyd or right. some of the others. Um, that's going to be that they're going to have a lot more to talk about in a criminal trial in that case. Absolutely. Um, unlike the George Floyd case, that should be pretty quick. Correct. And but I it's interesting to know, you know, I, I hear where you're coming from. You're a firearms guy and and uh, you, you know that stuff well. And so now I know who to call when I have those issues and questions and when I want to have an expert like you on this podcast. Anytime. I appreciate it. And Mike, I appreciate all the great work you do and uh, this uh, Metro Detroit area and, and across Michigan. So thank oh, you for everything you do. That's so nice, Terry. I, I plan on having you back on. Maybe we'll do one with you and your friend and uh, we'll have a little debate one day. But um, keep up the good work and um, we'll talk soon. Thank you. You have a great day and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, Terry. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. You never know who you're going to see. Be one guy one-on-one -on -one my whole career. What you're going to hear. You got a lot of desperate people in the city. On my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts. Well, thank you for watching another episode of Open Mic. Lots that we just kind of talked about with Terry Johnson. He's an expert in firearms, an excellent attorney, um, doing a very good job for his clients, which us lawyers need to do no matter what side of the table you're on, whoever, if you agree with the Hills, you agree with the Wurstenbergs, this is uh, not an easy, straightforward case. Let me know in the comments what you think. Tell me who you think was more at fault in this. Tell me what you think, why a charge was brought by Jessica Cooper. And uh, share this, like this, subscribe to our channel, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.